Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Derek Morris. And I'm Anthony Kent, and it's a real pleasure to welcome you here today. Derek, we've got a wonderful guest and a great topic as well. We do. Life-changing evangelistic preaching. Wow. And our guest, Pastor Mark Finley, who's been an inspiration to many pastors. And I, I'm sure that there are probably many lay preachers who also be watching the program today. This isn't just for full-time pastors, but anyone who has a passion to be a preacher who shares life-changing messages. Exactly. And life-changing, and not just for a temporary period, but for eternity. That's right. And actually, life-changing preaching changes the life of the speaker as well. So it's, it's going to be an amazing topic. Yeah. I'm particularly looking forward to listening to Mark, a skilled man, godly man, experienced, a man of great insights as well. Yes, and we're glad that you joined us today for Ministry in Motion, a unique opportunity to learn the art of life-changing evangelistic preaching. You'll hear some inspiring stories, but also some practical counsel that will help you to be that evangelist, that sharer of the good news that Jesus wants you to be. Stay tuned for Ministry in Motion. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, life-changing evangelistic preaching. Our guest, Pastor Mark Finley. Mark, internationally known evangelist, powerful preacher. You've got a story to share. How did you find that passion to share the good news about Jesus with others? When I was 17 years old, I accepted Jesus Christ into my life for the first time. My father actually led me to Christ. Is that right? Worked in dad's machine shop. And so he wasn't an evangelist. He was, well, he was. Oh, he was a, <laughs> he he was was a lay, lay person. Evangelist. He was a lay person who actually evangelized me. Powerful. So every lay person actually is an evangelist, a soul winner. But anyway, I was working with dad in his machine shop and unloading 20,000 pounds of steel, sometimes to um, work on the machines. And, and I was 17 years old, about ready to go off to college, and Dad knew that unless he greatly impacted me that year, that it would be difficult because I'd be out of the home. And so on those drives to work, he would share the passion of his heart for Christ and the truths of the Bible, and I would ask him questions. And when I became committed to Christ, there was something in my heart that wanted to share Jesus. And from there, God led me to many godly pastors who had also this passion, and they infected me with the virus of soul winning. You know, just thinking about how uh, people who are not necessarily full-time evangelists can be a part in sharing the good news, your father has been responsible for tens of thousands of people coming to know Christ. Oh, he has. You know, he's 87 years old now. I saw him this week, and we prayed together. And I look back on those experiences, and I'm so thankful for a godly father who impacted my life to such a great extent. As you began to sense this call of God on your life, were, were there any key individuals that mentored you, that stand out in your mind as people God used? There are. Um, the pastor that studied the Bible with me, Pastor Marion Kidder, had a special gift for studying with people in their homes. And 
uh, he really impressed me and impressed upon my heart the need for studying the Bible with people. I learned to preach evangelistically by studying the Bible with hundreds, thousands of people in their homes. Hmm. And then uh, Elder W.D. Frazee was an older gentleman who had been an evangelist for many, many years. He founded a little supporting ministry called Wildwood Medical Missionary Institute. And I really didn't know much about appeals or sensing the Spirit of God working in a meeting until I worked with him. And we would preach together, and I have many a time, when I was young, he would say, Pastor Mark, you start off and preach half the sermon, and when you're done, I'll step up and make the appeal, you know, because I, I didn't know anything about appeals. But when I saw people coming forward, and I got my arm around them with him, and mm. knelt with them, and counseled with them before and after them, he had a great impact in my life. Incidentally, talk about a man of God. When he was 12 years old, Pastor W.D. Frizee, he memorized the books of Daniel and Re Revelation verbatim. Mm. His brother Titus memorized the book of Matthew. His parents had him say Daniel and Revelation to Titus, and Titus say Matthew to him, and he learned uh, the book of Matthew by heart. He learned 500 passages from Scripture Wonderful. by heart. Wonderful. And so he really impressed me with the importance of the Word of God. You know, Hebrews 4, verse 12, the Word of God is living and powerful. So and I, I really was impressed by Elder Verzee with saturating my mind with the Word of God, knowing that one sentence of Scripture is worth more than 10,000 arguments. And I really believe that as we open the Bible and allow God to speak through His Word, that the Bible is life transformational. You know, I hear a common theme with both of those mentors and, and with your father, and that is taking the scriptures very seriously, viewing them as more than just human words about God, but really the word of God to us. You know, every time I open the Bible, I have that sense that God is speaking through his word, that God is touching some life through his word, that the life transforming power of the word of God, that the same Holy Spirit that inspired the Bible is there present inspiring those that listen to the words of the Bible. It reminds me of the words of the psalmist where he says, your word is a lamp yeah. to my feet yeah. and a light to my path. Exactly. Perhaps someone who's watching the program today has a basic question about, we talk about life-changing evangelistic preaching. How, how does uh, evangelistic preaching differ from regular expository preaching, going through a passage of Scripture, sure. as a pastor might preach uh, on a more regular basis. In, in expository preaching, Derek, we take a text, we look at the background of the text, we look at the, the cultural uh, background that the text was set in, we look at the chapter before the passage, the chapter after the passage, and we look at the um, original language of the passage, and we try to say, what did this passage say to the hearers who Jesus spoke it to, or what did it say to the hearers in his, in his day, in their time, and what does that passage say to me today? And so the expository method is looking to be faithful to that particular passage and revealing its life-changing lessons. And that's important, right? It that's is an important, important way of preaching. What, does, what do you do in expository preaching? You, you mean evangelistic? I mean, evangelistic yeah, preaching. in evangelistic preaching, Evangelistic preaching also is expository. It is, isn't it? Because it, you still take the text seriously. You do. And it's not pulling a text out of context. Right. Um, but in evangelistic preaching, we look at 
the common thread of a theme of Scripture. So we might take, for example, the second coming of Jesus and say, what does Genesis say about the second coming of Christ? What does the psalmist say about the second coming? So it's still exposing the truths of Scripture. It's still an exposition, but it's a thematic exposition through the looking at what the Bible says about a common topic. It's like taking the pieces of a puzzle and putting them together. The Bible written over 1,500 years by 66 or thereabouts authors, um, and we look at the scriptures, we take the Bible seriously, but we reveal, expose what the Bible says on that topic. You know, I like what you said, Mark, that you, this proof texting where I'm pulling a text maybe out of context and just using it to try to prove a point. Actually, you've got to do the study on each of the passages you're using, but you're tying them together into a broad theme. Exactly, exactly. In fact, um, this is exactly what Jesus did. You know, the, the real model of this kind of preaching comes from Christ himself because if you look at the last chapter of the book of Luke, when Jesus is on the Emmaus Road, the Bible says in Luke chapter 23 and uh, actually Luke chapter 24 and verse 27, uh, it says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus was an expository preacher, but he wasn't focusing on just on one passage here. He was expounding from the Old Testament the key points that demonstrated that he was the Messiah. And that's what we do in evangelistic preaching. So it's an exciting journey for those who are listening. It, it presupposes then uh, back to the example of your mentors, that the, the person who wants to be a life-changing evangelistic preacher takes the Bible very seriously, studies the Bible carefully. This isn't just a superficial treatment of the Word of God. It certainly isn't. Um, you, you have to really saturate your mind with the Bible, with the Word of God, believing that the Bible is the inspired Word of God and that the Bible is foundational for Christian life and belief. Now, I've noticed as I've heard you preach on different occasions that many times you'll, you'll quote Scripture uh, without reading it. The, the Scripture's inside of you. Is that something intentional like you were talking about with these other mentors that you actually memorize, or is it just a saturation by reading the Bible over and over again? How's the Scripture got inside of you? I think it's both. There are some passages like Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, therefore will we will not fear that the earth be removed, that I've consciously memorized Psalm 91, so I've memorized some of the Psalms, memorized hundreds of passages of Scripture. But on the other hand, some of the passages of Scripture, I've just saturated my mind with the Bible. I've made a commitment in my life that I will never live a day without filling my mind with the Word of God. Beautiful. So every single day of my life, I am reading Scripture, reviewing it, going over it, chewing on it. And so when the, you do that over many years, the Bible becomes a part of your life. Uh, I think of a quote by uh, uh, G.L. Goodall. He said, no man can be effective in winning souls until the scripture runs through his veins and the blood of truth oozes through his pores. We'll talk more about the importance of the Bible when we come back after the break, saturating your life with the Word of God so you can be a life-changing evangelistic preacher. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion.
Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, life-changing evangelistic preaching. Our special guest, Pastor Mark Finley. Mark, it's so good to have you with us today. Delighted to be here. And we've talked in the first segment about the importance of the Bible. You've seen that in your mentors' lives. You fill your life with the Word of God. And evangelistic preaching is really taking a theme of the Bible, uh, kind of like Jesus did. You, you quoted the Emmaus Road message, painting a big picture. It is. Um, evangelistic preaching really focuses on what God's Word says on a given topic. And that is really incredibly powerful because many people wonder what happens when you die. Is it heaven? Is it hell? Is it nothingness? How can I find eternal life? How do I find salvation? Big questions. You, they have these great questions. If God is so good, why is the world so bad? Mm -hmm. Where did evil come from? Why is there suffering? And when you go through the Bible and paint the great controversy theme, I've seen this happen hundreds of times in meetings, thousands of times, where you outline the fall of Lucifer in heaven and, and uh, you describe what happened as Adam and Eve fell and the plan of salvation and the final eradication of evil. People sit on the edge of their seat. Their hearts are touched. They've not seen the Bible presented in that way before. Now, one of the things that you do so well in, in your life-changing evangelistic preaching is you use visuals slides, PowerPoint, pictures. Uh, let's talk about that because we're, we're in a visual culture in the 21st century. How do you use visuals effectively? There are probably some ways that we shouldn't use them. Sure. Well, let's talk yeah. about how to maximize yeah. impact for life-changing evangelism. If you're going preaching. to use visuals, they have to be good. They have to be cutting edge. Um, if you're going to use visuals and they're poor, the graphics are poor, they're dated, they're even 10 or 15 years old, we update our graphics every series. We want to be on the cutting edge of graphics that we use. I think graphics have a great advantage, at least three advantages. Number one, people are used to the visual media and they sit back and when they see it, so they see it on the screen, they hear me verbalize it, sometimes together we read it as a congregation and that's really a triple advantage because they see the Word of God on the screen, we, they hear me uh, preach it, then we read it together at times, not, all, not every text, so it doesn't become rote. Um, so I think that's critically important, that visual aids reinforce the proclaimed word. Um, people remember some of what they hear, but much more of what they see. So I notice even when you share a story, you'll put a picture, um, sure. something to capture their attention or to hang the story on. Yeah, something that'll give them a visual image. You know, I think Jesus did that too in his day. For example, he's sitting on the hillside and he says, he talks about a good shepherd. And, he, and I'm sure that there was a, good, a shepherd down there with sheep, sheep yeah, right? pointing it. So that was Christ's visual aid. Christ had the living visual aid. Right. You know, I wouldn't need to graphic of a shepherd if I was out in the field and I could have a real one. But it's hard to bring a hundred sheep into the church. <laughs> you know? Or Jesus talked about um, a sower went out to sow. And there, so these were all visual descriptions right. that Jesus gave right. in a technological age. Maybe, maybe bring a child as he did on right. one occasion right. into the center of the group. Sure. And so Jesus use the visual impact. Three great advantages of using graphics. Number one, we're using a medium that people are used to seeing, a visual medium in a technological age. Two, when people are not used to understanding how to turn from 
the one book of the Bible to the other. You know, when I first became a Christian, I thought you called the Psalms the Palms. So I'd say, <laughs> turn to Palms. Somebody teased me once, and they said, turn to the book of Hezekiah. And I mean, I was going all No forward. idea where it is. No idea where fanning. it is. There was no Hezekiah in the yeah. Bible, you know, and I didn't know whether it was Daniel in the lion's den or David in the lion's den, right. you know. But what happens is when you use visual aids, people are not embarrassed because there are postmodern secular people sitting in the audience and they're trying to find a Bible text where they don't know where it is. So I right. think that's a second great advantage. A third great advantage is you can cover a lot of material in a short time. Mm. I can go over historical material, textual material. I don't have to wait for people to turn to it. So I think those are three great advantages, using the visual medium, making people feel comfortable because they don't have to go looking for and hunting for a text. And thirdly, you can present a lot of material. So what's the danger? Okay, the person says, well, I've got a hundred slides here. I think it will work and, and it, it isn't a life-changing yeah. message. Yeah, here's the danger of graphics. One, they sometimes don't work. And so every time, and you will be surprised, but before I go out to preach, I always will have a piece of paper with my sermon notes in my Bible. Just in case you have a power failure. Yeah, if I have a power failure, and I've, I can tell you about power failures, <laughs> I have power failures. You know, in case I have a power failure, in case my computer goes out, in case it's running on battery and I thought I plugged it in, in case the bulb goes out on the projector, I don't want to be up there without a message, right. be dependent on the graphics. The graphics assist you they're in what tool. you're going to say. Right. They're a tool. They're not something they're not the that message you itself. Exactly. That's first. Secondly, graphics don't make you a preacher. They help you to become a better preacher. Mm. I had a young man come to me once and he said, Pastor Mark, I was looking at your projector and your graphics. Oh, I wish I had graphics like that. I'd be a great soul winner. Mm. And I said, young man, I was a soul winner before I had any graphics. <laughs> right? And it's the truth, you know. You, you, graphics don't make you a soul winner. They, they assist. There's a th big disadvantage of graphics that I feel, and, and I always work to try to overcome it, and I'm not sure. At, at times, you know, you wonder how successful you are. But mm -hmm. you can have people sit through 24 evangelistic meetings with graphics and still not know where to turn in the Bible. Yes, so I really do believe, Derek, that it's as we get people into the Word of God that it really transforms their lives. Right. And we'll talk about that after yeah. the break. And, and then how do we call people to respond to the truth that they've heard? Pastors say to me, what do I do next? I feel the Spirit moving. How do I call people to make a decision? That's a vital topic we'll look at right after the break with Pastor Mark Finley. Life-changing evangelistic preaching. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, life-changing evangelistic preaching. I'm joined by our co-host, Anthony Kent. Thanks, Derek. Anthony, we're having a great conversation with Pastor Mark Finley. Mark, thanks for being here today. Delighted. Thank you. We've been inspired as we've talked about the importance of the Word of God. We've talked about how to use visuals effectively. But now we're coming to, to that crucial part of our discussion. How do you call people to respond to the truths that they've learned? How do you appeal to people's hearts? You know, there's something in the psychological realm called programmed non-response. The average 12-year-old in the United States has already witnessed 14,000 murders mm. over mass media. What does mm. that do? 
the young person has seen so many murders on television that they have not responded to, that they lose the capacity to respond. Mm. So the, the psychological phenomenon of program non-response says this, the more your emotions are stimulated, the more your intellect is informed, the more you're ready to respond and you don't and you cap it over, the more you lose your ability to respond. So let's suppose here's a person that sits through my preaching mm -hmm. and I preach a powerful sermon on the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, that in Christ we are a new creature. And I come to the end and I say, now let us all stand up and sing redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Mm -hmm. No response. Is it possible that a person can sit through my preaching for five years, 10 years, 20 years and never be changed by it because I've never given them the opportunity? So there are many ways we can make appeals so that this program non-response won't happen. One is a hand-raising appeal. You can invite people to raise their hands. There are two ways to do that. One we call general, the other is specific. General appeals typically don't bring the response that a specific appeal will bring. For example, I might say, how many of you want to be ready when Jesus comes? Would you raise your hand? I'll raise my yeah, hand. What's going to happen? Everybody's <laughs> going to raise their sure. hand. Sure. Or I can say, it's a simple response. is there somebody here today that you know that when you came into this meeting, you were not ready for the coming of Jesus? Mm. There's something in your life, there's pride and arrogance that has developed into, it, it's blossomed in your life. There's anger, there's bitterness, there's criticism. There is some habit in your life. There's something in your life that you know is consuming you. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you've never made a full decision for Christ and you just want to lift your hand and say, Jesus, I'm making that today. It's much See, more specific. Much more specific. Mm -hmm. Both the activity of the hand. Right. Um, the other thing I can invite people to do, and I've begun to do this much more recently, and that is have people kneel at the end of a sermon. And I say to them, as we're coming to the end of the message today, let's suppose it's on prayer. I've just preached a series in my church on prayer. Would you just like to kneel and talk to God? Forget about everybody else in the audience mm. and just spend that personal time with God. So you can have people kneel. Let's suppose I preached a sermon on overcoming habits, destructive habits that bind you. And, and let's suppose that I have softly playing the song Amazing Grace and then we go into that newer version that says, my chains are gone. Mm. Now I'm set free. free. Mm. I've yes. been set free. Yes. Is there some habit you want to be set free Beautiful. of today? Would you just like to kneel, forget about the audience, say, mm. Jesus, I'm giving that habit to you. See. Mm. Couple other thing, ways of appeals that are found helpful. Come to the end of a sermon which I've been preaching on kindness the fruits of the Spirit. We're preaching through Galatians 5. We've come to the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. And I say, look, this is what I'd like you to do. At the end of the sermon, I want you to turn to the person next to you and share with them how you were impacted by somebody's kindness in the last two weeks. That's a good idea. Um, so people turn. We call that bonding. How does the preach word... You know, when I was a boy, for example, I made balsam airplanes, you know, the little balsa wood. Sure, and we, 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 we would, yeah, you remember him because you're about as old as me. I do. <laughs> no, you're younger. Uh, Anthony's a little younger, so uh, you may, but you know, you, we take these wooden airplanes and you take glue and you, and uh, plastic ones, I used to have the old World War II models, you know, and, and you glue them, that's bonding. You take the wing, you glue it to the fuselage of the plane. How do you take the preached word 
and bond it, glue mm -hmm. it into the mind so it's life transforming. Often at the end of a sermon, I'll say to people, uh, the audience, um, I want you to turn and share with the person next to you the most significant mm. thing you've got out of the message today that you're going to take home with you. What are you going to take home with you today? That's really reinforcing, yeah, isn't it? And then it pray is. about that together. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes I've given them a card, just a white card. Um, and as they come to church, they get the card, and I say, now at the end of the sermon today, I want you to write the one thing you're going to do with this sermon. How is this sermon going to impact your life? I want you to write it there. I'm going to give you time, then I want you to pray over it, then I want you to put that on your refrigerator. You know, I want to summarize what we've yeah. said and give you one last yeah. kind of inspiring thought to share. Variety. Yeah. It's not always the same. You, yeah. but, you're, but one thing you're doing is engaging your hearer yeah. in, in an intentional response. Someone's listening says, I feel the call. Where do I start? What would you share with them? You begin by doing. You begin by doing. My first evangelistic meeting was in a tent in Georgia, and we pitched our tent at the bottom of a hill in the rainy season. <laughs> Mistake number one. I mean, I can remember times I came to the bottom of that tent, and I'll tell you, we had four or five inches of water in it. We had to take a hole and dig down the center aisle. But you started and you did it. Yeah, my biggest audience was when the Little League World Series took place, and they were all over at the Little League field, and I was preaching, hopefully carrying over into the Little League field. I mean, we didn't baptize anybody in that but series. But you started somewhere. But we started. So my counsel is begin. Here's what you do. You print your announcements before you're ready. That will motivate you to get ready. Well, <laughs> that's a challenge for each one of us to say, I'm going to step out into the deep. I'm going to trust that God wants me to share the good news with those around me. And, and believe that he's called you to be a life-changing evangelistic preacher, that there are men and women, boys and girls, just waiting for the invitation. Thanks, Mark, for joining Thank us you. today. Thanks, Anthony. Challenging topic. Don't forget to go to our website, ministryinmotion.tv. You can watch this broadcast again, learn some more insights that will bless your life and ministry. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again next time. We'll be praying for you and your ministry.